This is Fantasy Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Book Club. This is the Internet's Book Club and just by listening, you're a member. My name is Golden Pratt. And my name is... Sydney Lyrely. Did you forget your name? No. I did that because we were talking about S's being sharp earlier in the mics, and so I thought it'd be funny to become a snake. Just to make it hurt everyone's ears a tiny bit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, okay, guys, guess what? What? Last week, we told you to read chapters 12, and then the interludes, and then 13, 14, and 15. Did you do it? You better have. You better have, or you know what'll happen. Oh, I forget what I said. I don't remember either. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was too long ago. And guess what? What? Next week, guess what you get to read? What do you get to read? You get to read chapters 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, and 25. Quite a few. 16 through 25. That is nine whole chapters. But you'll be okay. It's not Can you do it? Can can you read all nine chapters? You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you, listener. It'll be completely fine. I do not doubt you. I do not doubt you. No doubt here. No doubt, Sam, I am. Um... It's from Sam I Am. Have you ever heard that? Yes. I do not like you, Sam I Am. Yes, but I didn't realize that was part of it. There's not a part that says I do not doubt you, Sam I Am, but there's a part that says I do not like you, Sam I Am. Do you know how long it's been since I have read a single Dr. Seuss book? Probably a few years. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I don't remember. Speaking of reading books, here we go. It's time to get into the yeah, episode. Yeah, let's go. Oh, by the way, if you don't remember, we're reading uh, Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, right. We probably, this uh, this intro is wild. <laughs> It feels really wrong what just happened this whole intro. <laughs> That's okay. That's what you love love us for. You never know what you're going to get. Some weeks it'll be terrible. Here it goes. Chapter 12. This is great. What do you mean? Here it goes. <laughs> chapter 12. Uh, the title of the chapter is Hero. And the little uh, journal bit says, unfortunately. Journal bit. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we fixated upon Sadius's plotting so much that we did not take note of the changed pattern of our enemies, the murders of my husband, the true danger. The murderers, sorry, of my husband, the true danger. I would like to know what wind brought about their sudden inexplicable transformation. Ooh, I know what that means now. You know, I can is, guess what that means. What does it mean? Guess it. Well, I would assume based on the interludes that they managed to get that little the their new form mm-hmm. and so that's going to be their transformation. Good call. Good Thank guess. You. Uh that was from the journal of Devani Colin. Guess what's that? 1174. I do my best with guessing. Yeah. Here I'm very it, delayed today. Yeah, you're 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 <laughs> It's like we're on Zoom, but we're not. You're you're in person. Your brain is just loading slowly, I think. No, it was loading. I just was waiting for you to finish speaking before I said it. <laughs> you didn't bother waiting though. <laughs> Well, I was waiting for you to finish reading the the date. Okay. Yep. Okay, here it goes. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Here's what happened in the chapter. First, Kaladin and all of his crew are, um, like, testing Kaladin's powers finally. Yeah. So first he sticks the rock to a rock to the wall, uh, and they try and count, and Sigzil's trying to keep track of how long it sticks and how much weight yeah. it can hold, and, and Sigzil finds himself pretty frustrated because he doesn't really have a clock or a good way to measure time or weight or anything. Real quick. Yes. I just want to say that Rock is the one hanging from the, the wall, stuck to the, the Rock stuck to the wall. Yeah. Which I think is kind of funny. Rock and Rock hanging from the wall. Rock and Rock hanging from the wall, um, having a party. And so uh, they're like, Sigzel gets frustrated because there's not really a good measuring system. He doesn't have a clock. He doesn't have a weight, like a set, set weight. He, 
it, all of it is very like loosey goosey, un- yeah. unsure, and it makes him un- upset. Yeah. And um, Lopin, who is they're in the chasms, by the way, and oh, so nearby Taft is training the new recruits. Yes. In the chasms, uh, Lopin is supposed to be watching, standing watch, and he walks over and says, "Well, sure, we can test things. Like, could you stick me to the wall?" <laughs> and Kalanen goes, "I don't know." And so he goes ahead and sticks Lopin to the wall. And, Let's go. Um, they uh, keep like doing that, and eventually they start sparring. Yes. Kaladin, Kaladin versus Rock, Sigzel, and Lopin. Yep. And Rock's okay to spar for some reason. He. Is pretty good. Yeah, he's, he he's very good. He knows what he's doing. Um, yes. I have a feeling that maybe Rock um, broke some rules when he was back home. Because he, like, the way their uh, world works, the way their culture is, they don't, like, the oldest aren't the ones becoming warriors. It's the youngest. Yeah. And my thought is that maybe Rock broke a rule and decided he wanted to learn how to spar right. and got in trouble for it. Like, I feel like there's more there than Rock lets on. Yeah, that's a good guess. I like that guess. Thank you. Theory person who's tracking if she's right or wrong, you better mark that one down. I totally forgot that was a thing. <laughs> hey, guys, from if you listen to A Way of Kings, did you keep track? If you did, please let us know. I really <laughs> want to know. I'm actually very genuinely curious, but definitely way too lazy to go back and listen to it myself and figure it out. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a lot of effort. I don't want to do that either. <laughs> um, but they're sparring, and Kaladin is, like, stoking himself full of stormlight, and he's using it to, like, paint the ground to get Sigzel's feet stuck, and then he shoves Lopin into the wall and sticks him there, and then he wrestles with Rock and pins Rock's back as he rolls over him. Yeah. Like, they're rolling around the ground together. He paints the floor with sticky goo and then rolls Rock through it. It's not actually goo. It's sticky light, but still. Yeah. And so, but like, it, it's kind of like a... It reminds me of, like, just straight glue. Yeah. Like... Have you seen those videos, those YouTube videos, where they try to, like, walk through, like, heaps of glue? Or, like, the glue traps? Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, that's um, what I think of. And uh, Kellen learns a couple things. One, he he learns that he can withdraw some of the light. Like, he can pull it back off the ground, back into himself. Yes. Um, he also, when he's in his head thinking, I probably could beat these people without Stormlight, and I can beat them faster just using, like, the strength and speed of Stormlight. Trying yeah. to paint the ground and get them stuck to it makes me worse than if I was just fighting them with the speed. Yeah. But he said it was good to learn. Like, still doing that practicing, so hopefully you can he can learn to be better later on. Yeah. He, so he's still trying to Like to when he ha- inevitably has to fight someone who happens to have the exact same powers. I wonder who that'll be. Hmm, um, I wonder. Name starts with an S and ends with an H. Uh, For a moment, I had a moment of, what is Seth's last, like, ending letter? <laughs> Seth. <laughs> um, also, while they're sparring, uh, Rock throws like a full tree at him, and afterwards, Cal- Kaladin is like, uh, uh, "He's like, I thought you weren't allowed to fight." And he said, "Well, I'm allowed to spar. I'm not allowed to fight." And Kaladin said, "Didn't stop you from throwing a tree at my head." <laughs> and Rock's response was, "Was small tree and very hard head." <laughs> <laughs> I love all of Rock's responses because they're always very like witty and silly and he just I really love Rock. He's he's a fun very funny character. Speaking of witty and silly, I have a very short dramatic reading I would like to do. Okay. Here it goes. That was embarrassing, Sigzel said as Kaladin walked over to free him too. It's like we're children. The Prime's own eyes have not seen such a shameful show. I have a very unfair advantage, Kaladin said, helping Sigzel to his feet. Years of training as a soldier, a larger build than you, 
Oh, and the ability to emit stormlight from my fingers. He patted Sigzel on the shoulder. You did well. This is just a test, like you wanted. A more useful type of test, Kaladin thought. Sure, Lopin said from behind them. Just go ahead and leave the Herdazi and stuck to the wall. The view here is wonderful. Oh, and is that slime running down my cheek? A fresh look for the Lopin, who can't brush it away because, have I mentioned, my hand is stuck to the wall. Kaladin smiled, walking over. You were the one who asked me to stick you to a wall in the first place, Lopin. My other hand, Lopin said, the one that was cut off long ago, eaten by a fearsome beast. It is making a rude gesture towards you right now. I thought you would wish to know so you could prepare to be insulted. He said it with the same lightheartedness with which he seemed to approach everything. He had even joined the bridge crew with a certain crazy eagerness. Cowden let him down. This thing, Rock said, it worked well. I love the interaction. Lopin, <laughs> I just... Leave the Hadassian stuck to the wall. <laughs> the image in my head of just... Lopin's other arm floating around in some beast's stomach, flipping off <laughs> Kaladin is really funny. <laughs> that makes me laugh a lot. Yeah, so they have a cute little interaction there. And then, turns out, Teft has been watching. Why did you say yeah, that like Teft, that? Teft has been watching this interaction. <laughs> Teft was off to the distance, watching. Um, observing. Observing. Like the mysterious man that Teft is. Um, and Tef basically is saying you could be, if all of the Bridgemen rush you, you could still win because you, uh, are obviously like the wind. He, everyone calls him kind of like, like the wind. Yeah. He could, if he said, if we brought all 20 down that, then it would be a challenge for you. Yeah. Um, and then Tef kind of asks to be like, let off from training the other Bridgemen. He doesn't think he's worthy to train them, I guess. And Kaladin makes, says like, nope, you're training them. Haha, <laughs> sucks to be you. Yeah. Teft is... I don't know, kind of being strange in this chapter. Like, I just feel like he's very out of it. It's weird. Yeah. Syl tries to encourage Kaladin to tell people about the abilities, and Kaladin is still anti that. Uh-huh. He still doesn't like that idea. And then they kind of just uh, climb up the ladder to leave the the pits. The the pits. Yeah. I about said the pits of half sin. What is that from? Oh, that's from a, sorry. That's from a different Stormlight. Not Stormlight. It's from a different uh, a way Brandon Sanderson book. I was like, the pits of Hathin. The pits. What is the pits of Hathin? No, sorry. <laughs> he, they left the chasms of Stormlight archives. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you paying attention? Sorry, it was the wrong wrong <laughs> book. Yes. Um. That's okay. You tried your best. And when they reach the top, there are some soldiers of Dalinar's who, like, it seems very proud of Kaladin because they're dark eyed. Yeah. And the soldier says, um, Stormblessed, have you heard the news? And Kaladin says, what news? And the soldier says, a hero has come to the Shattered Plains. He's going to meet with Bright Lord Colin. Perhaps support him. It's a good sign. Might help calm things down around here. And Rock called, says, what's this? Who? And then the soldier said a name. Uh-huh. And Kaladin's skin turns to ice. And uh-huh. Kaladin sprints across the war camp to find Dalinar clasping arms with Amaram colon. Uh, nope, sorry, Amaram. <sighs> you know what is also frustrating? What? Dalinark obviously does not know about what happened with Amaram and Kaladim. And he asks Amaram about uh, the, that shard blade that he has. And Cal- or Amaram's like, yeah, I, I want it from an assassin who tried to kill me. And Dalinar's like, good job, man. And Cal... Mm-hmm. I would like 
to smack Amram over the head with this thing I'm holding in my hand that you guys can't see. But it's basically it's like a, a metal rod. It's like a, it's like a metal pole, yeah. Um, theories. What's Kyle going to do about this whole thing? Well, I think that... Okay, so I think that Amram's going to recognize Kaladin. I think I I don't think Amran can forget Kaladin's face. Yeah. And he's going to see him and be like, oh, crap. And he's going to try and convince Dalinar. And he's going to like try and convince Dalinar to keep him as like a slave. He's going to be like, hey, this man's got a slave. What are you doing? Yeah. Like he's going to try and convince him to, you know, get rid of him or whatever. And I think that Dalinar is eventually going to find out like Kaladin's going to confide in Dalinar because Dalinar is going to trust Kaladin over Amaran for some reason. Mm, okay. And he's going to find out that Amram stole the shard blade and that it's technically Kaladin's. And somehow he's going to make... I think that eventually Amram's going to have to fight Adolin. Okay. And Adolin's going to win the sword and they're going to give it to Kaladin because technically it's Kaladin's. Okay. It's a good theory. I That's like that. my theory. I like that theory a lot. Theory man, mark it down. Theory man, mark it down. <laughs> we don't have a theory man. I don't think there's anyone actually doing this. <laughs> but I do like this call. I think you and I should just keep saying theory man, mark it down until somebody actually becomes the theory man. That I'm sure someone really will funny. someday someone will pick up that pick up that duty. Ten years from now, someone's gonna be listening to this and be like, This is my time. I am the theory man. And then they're gonna comment and we're gonna be like freaking the heck out because yeah. we're gonna forget that we ever talked about this. No, no, no. I'm gonna keep mentioning theory <laughs> man. Anytime you have a theory, I'm just gonna start telling the theory man to mark it down. <laughs> All right. Sydney, that's the end of part one, by the way. So now we enter the interludes. I can't believe we've read so much already. I know. Like, it's week we're three. like a fourth of the way through the book already. This okay, more I would say closer to an eighth, but still, <laughs> I agree. It's we've we've made quite pro, quite pro, quite, quite progress. We've made quite progress. Quite progress. Okay, so now we're into the don't interludes. make fun of me. And we see Eshone. Uh, Eshenai, sorry. Oh, rude. The the audiobook calls her Eshenai. I like Eshone. What's the title of this chapter? Eshenai. I am talking about who's in the interludes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we see Eshonai and Yim and Risen. Yep. I like Risen. I love Risen. I like her name, Risen. Risen's story was very sad right this this time. I'm excited yeah. to talk about it. Okay, so Oh no, I don't get to talk about it. Ha ha oh. Sucker. Okay. okay. So we're in chapter uh one of the interlude. So this is Narak. Chapter one dash one or I dash one really looks like a little emoji face going, ooh. You see what I mean? <laughs> Kinda does. Yeah, he's, he's he got You're like right. different sized eyes and a little line That's mouth. That's funny. So we're with uh Esh and I. Yep. Who is our Parshendi? What? I know. This I actually really enjoyed this chapter. I thought it was kind of fun. Both so we get to kind yeah. of find out here like their music thing. So basically in their heads, they have these different 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 rhythms, sorry, that they kind of like speak to. Mm-hmm. And so there's like resolve. Right now she's thinking about resolve. She's kind of looking out under the battlefield. And she's thinking about where the Blackthorn is. She wants to meet Dalinar and speak with him. Yep. Like, she feels very urgent to speak to him. We don't know why yet. I don't think she says why. Yeah, no, we don't know. But uh, there's, like, the rhythm of mourning. There's excitement, resolve. There's just a crap ton of rhythms. They're essentially, like, they got a radio station in their head that yeah. they, kind of they can force to match their emotion, kind of. Yes. They, most of the time, the rhythms match what they're feeling, but they can also force themselves to sing to a different one. Yes. And every... Like, so that everyone in their culture can understand, like, they all can tune the same rhythm and it's the same, like, it's kind of like a universal music playing yeah. throughout, like, a radio station, somehow that all the Parshendi could tune yes. into at the same they're called time. the listeners. Yeah. And so basically what we've learned here is uh, Eshenai goes back to where they live on the Shattered Plains, which is, like, some kind of ruins. And we kind of find out that the Shattered Plains themselves, what the humans think are rocks, are actually, like, broken buildings and, like, city. Yep. Which I think is what... um 
Yasna was looking for. I think the city they're living in, the Parshendi are living in, is the city that Yasna was looking for. Yeah. Which I don't remember the name of it. You're a Theru. You're a Theru. Okay. The Good theory. Um, theory man, mark it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they've named it, the Parshendi have named it Narak, which is the name of this chapter. Yeah. But, um, and which also means, Narak means exile because basically the listeners of the Parshendi are yeah. separated from their gods and like hate their gods. It's a whole thing. So quickly run down. Old timeies people fought. Yes. Parshendian people fought. They were kind of called the gods, the fighters. Yeah. Uh, the listener crew split off from the rest to uh, later. We learned this in the second chapter, but they took on forms that are dumb, but the gods can't see them. Yes. So they took on the dull form, which is kind of what like the parchment look like. Yeah. Um, but and, not quite. The parchment are a little bit different. And so there are certain forms that the gods like in their lore, the gods can't see them when they're yeah. using this form. So like they have work form, they have mm-hmm. uh, they have dull form. I I think what is their f- they have work form, dull form, war form, mate form. which is what a shonai is, and then mate form and then nimble form. Yes. And those are the forms that they have right now. And nimble form is is new. Like they're yes. rediscovering how to get new forms. Yes. So dull form is what they had and then they figured out work form and war form. And war form is what they use to fight. So yep. they get the shield thing. And they get like the, um, the, the carapace armor. Yeah. Mate form is kind of like. Well, make a guess what it's them. for. Yeah. 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 It's when they're and horny then, and dumb. Yes. And then nibble form is kind of like more scholar, scholarly. And like they're and able like to hold, do things with their yeah. fingers better. Yeah. So like more artistic and just that kind of thing. And they're trying to find more forms. Yeah. But basically. And also avoid forms of power. Yes. I don't, we don't exactly know what that means, but they say no. a couple times that yeah. we're trying to avoid forms yes. of power. So Ashonai is walking through this city and thinking about just how bad everything is because yeah. they're uh, like a lot of their people are dying. Like the war is not going well for them and they need to figure out how to like turn it around. Two things I wanted to ask you real quick. Yes. One, uh, they just had won a gem heart. Yeah. Did you catch? They kind of mention it in passing. Did you catch what they use the gem hearts for? Why they are fighting for the gem hearts? They use them for to like trap Spren in, right? Well, that that they did do that. But what or, was, what was their primary purpose? Did you did you catch it? I don't they, remember. She says it in like a passing sentence. Yeah. They use it for farming. Somehow they connect. They they are able to farm crops better with the gem. Oh. Heart. We don't know exactly what that means or how they use it. Okay. But they it, it says that in passing. So that's the exp- yeah. explanation as to why the Parshendi continue to fight for them. Yeah. It's because for some reason they need them to farm. We don't yeah. know why or what that means really. Yes. But we know that's true. Yeah. So uh, Ashonai is going to this uh, this place called um, the Hall of Art. Yeah. And in there she talks to a guy who I don't remember what. Oh. Varanus, Varanus, yeah, is one of it's like one of her lieutenants, and he's trying to make this art, and it's not good. It's really ugly. It's very bad art, and she knows it, and he knows it. But basically, the Hall of Art is a place where the Parshendi go to try and make like this, um, make art and try and find new forms through that art, like art form. And it's just it's not working very well. Yeah, it really isn't. And so Ashonai leaves, and she goes and runs into uh, people in mate form who are splashing around in the water, and she's like. What on the world are you doing? Yeah, like the drinking water. Yes, the drinking water. And there's like naked mate forms splashing in yes. it. Yes, and basically the mate forms are like kind of just, yeah. Basically what this is showing is that people are kind of transforming back to like the mate forms where they all they care about is being like horny. Yeah. Because they're tired of the war and things are just not going well. She also passes some doll forms. Yes, which is not great either because. Why are they doll form? Well, they do use the dull forms for to like for spies. spies. But why are these? People but dull these form? people are dull form because they are, are like they know they think that the uh, 
humans are going to come for them and kill them all. So And so they took doll form so that they maybe they'll think we're they're, we're their slaves and they won't kill us. Yeah. Which is terribly sad. It is really sad. And also, sad. interesting to note, so now we know that in the Milt War Camps, yeah. Sadius's army has spies on Dalinar uh-huh. and all of the armies have spies for the Parshendi. Yep. The Parshendi, the humans don't realize they can change what they look like. Yes. So they don't realize that there could be spies. Uh-huh. So that's concerning. It is concerning. Uh, but they basically, Ashone thinks about the, uh, what happened with um, the king, the Alethi king that they killed and just kind of how that had happened. Basically why they did that. The, we kind of find out the reasoning why they killed um, Gavilar. And so basically they did that because Gavilar was about to find out something about their gods or about their forms or whatever that they thought risked bringing the gods back. And they do not want to bring the gods back. So, so Gavilar, they them. Gavilar was like, we don't know what he was doing. No, we but don't know. it was know. something to bring the gods back. Yes. Which is weird. And he apparently Gavilar said it to them thinking they would be happy about this change. Yes. And they were not happy they about this They were not thing. happy about this. He should have not said anything. Yeah. But basically, so... um. Ashona gets back to her, like, home, and she finds her sister, whose name is Venli. Venli's a cool name, too. Venli is a cool name. Venli holds nimble form, and she's had it for three years. Yeah. As, for as long as they've known about the form, because she's kind of like a scholar yeah. and is trying to find other forms. She's with her once mate, whose name is Demid. Yeah. And Demid's pretty cool. Demid... So basically, they were they were both in mate form and tried to have children. Yeah, and it did not go well. They did not have children, unfortunately, which is really sad for them. The Parsha and the also find it strange that humans are always dealing with so many emotions that they're able to like balance because they're like, yeah, I can't imagine being horny all the time yes. and having to go about my day with that. Yes. and that makes me laugh because I didn't think about how strange it is for us humans. We don't really have heats like some animals do. No. We just kind of are, do have to kind of always deal with it a little bit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, imagine a species who doesn't have to deal with that thinking how weird we are for that. Oh, yeah. That makes me laugh. It's just funny. Uh, so the, the, Shoni walks in and she is talking to Venley about like the fact that they won the gym heart and that Dalinar Colon wasn't there. And Venley's like, Dalinar is not going to face you again. You almost killed him once. He's not going to come and face you again. Yeah. Which I disagree. Because Eshenai wants to sue for peace. Like yes. Eshenai's trying to get Dalinar to agree to peace with her. Yes. And so uh, Venli is like just talking to Eshenai about kind of, you know, what's happening, about the things that she's finding out. And um, Eshenai feels really bad for her sister because mm-hmm. she just, she works her herself really, really hard. And Venli is talking about the fact that they know the humans have surge binders now. Well, Eshenai says... Maybe not. It could have been an honor blade. Wow. Which is what uh, we think What's-His-Butt had. What? There are blades that can give you powers. Oh. You knew this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that's what Zeth, I think, has or something like that. Somebody we've seen has been using an honor blade for powers. I don't remember I who don't it know. was. Uh, but Venli's like, no. There are definitely, they have surge binders. It's back. And so they're trying, Venli has found a way where she thinks they can, they can make storm form. Which is a godly form. Yes, which is a godly form, which Eshenai is not super excited about because... It's a god form. It's a god form, and that could risk bringing the gods back. But basically, this form is enough people with that form could actually control a high storm or just create one altogether. Right. Which would be really, 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 really bad for the Alethi. Yeah, it would be bad. (laughs) It would be very bad for them. It would not be. It would not be good. And... So they also talk about the fact that the forms kind of come from these songs that they memorized, yeah, like a long time ago. 
which they've all kind of like forgotten at this point. Well, the songs is how they remember. The songs are how they remember all like the list. Yeah, essentially, this song is a list of all the forms. Yes. And what does it say about storm form in the song? Um, I don't remember. uh, It's in here. I just read it a second ago. Yeah. Um, I remember the songs that speak of this form. It was of the gods. Oh, never mind. I don't think it says. Yeah. But yeah, basically, they just this chapter kind of just ends with. Uh, them talking about this uh, new form that Venli has kind of found that they might be able to do and the fact that they need to go talk to the five about it. Yeah. And that's the end of the chapter. Well, the five are the ones who... Um, yes, the five are the, like the the leaders yeah. of the Parshendi. And, and so, so yeah. they have to go talk to the five to try and see if they'll... if the Because Venli knows how to get into it now. Yes. They're trying to go to the five to see if they would allow Venli to try the form. Yes. All right. Now we're going to move on to interlude two because yep. we see Venli again later. We do. Ash and I and Venli both. Um, this is this chapter is called Yum, and it's fo- Yum. following a man named Yum. Yum. Y M Yum. Yum. Freaking love Yum. Yum. Um, <laughs> That's such a fun thing to say. So essentially, here's the deal: Yum is a uh, shoemaker uh-huh. who uh, makes shoes that he will give away for free yep. to. Poor children. I assume he also sells them. Yeah, as but he, well to like he'll give them free people, but yes. to, to poor children. He gives them away to free to honestly. I think poor anyone, not necessarily just children. Yeah, but a, but in this chapter, a poor child uh, runs in and kind of says like, "I hear you'll give shoes." You know, like yeah. And turns out because of the honor this man has shown in this, he has managed to attract himself a spren and bind one. Yep. And so he has a a, a friend, a spren, and he. One of he's able to heal the other dude's foot, so that's something we haven't seen Kaladin or anyone do yet. Well, I think I mean he's used he, it to heal somebody else, not yes, himself. Yes, he it, yeah, it's interesting. Um, we've not seen anyone do that yet, no. but he he heals the foot and basically says, "I will give you these shoes in exchange for your story." So tell me your story, I'll give you these shoes, and he makes this per- person a perfectly like fit pair of shoes for this child. Yes. And make sure everything's correct and uh, heals the foot as best he can without it being obvious that he's healing it, mm-hmm. which he uses stormlight for. Like he sucks it in. Yes. So mm-hmm. he's like bonding a spren. Yeah. Um, and the way that, by the way, the way Yim knew about the the beggar out front is his spren friend said, there's somebody here. Yeah. And so he went out and found it. And after he talks to this kid for a while, I'm going to skip, let's go fast with this one. Yeah. Talks to this kid for a while. Uh, the kid finally leaves afterwards. The, the after he says Yim goes and says thank you for your help to the spren because he he doesn't know how it works but he knows the spren helps him heal the kid yeah and the spren's response is he's still here and Yim goes what and then turns and finds the ro- door to his bedroom is open and he didn't Sketchy. he didn't leave it open and then a man appears who has a pale crescent on his dark skinned cheek he's wearing a, a black and silver uniform. A military uniform. Uh-huh. And the man says, you've been very good most of your life, but you were bribed to give someone poison when you were young. Well, you were a beggar on the streets. Somebody gave you money to poison someone. Now, Yim didn't know it was poison. Yim was told it was a message, but it turned out to be poison. And that's still on him. Yeah. And so the man says, you are guilty nonetheless, pulls a shard blade and kills Yim in the street. Rest in peace, Yim. I liked Yim. He... Was such a nice dude. Who in the world, Sydney? Theory time. Sketchy. Who in the world is this man? Okay. Um. 
He's obsessed with the law for some reason. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't have killed him if he hadn't found any crime in this history. Yeah. But for, he clearly sought out Yim to kill him. He's some kind of military man. Do we know where Yim is? Like, what no, kind of No, I don't think it says Yim the is? land he's in. Hmm, interesting. Well, it talks about, like, the silvery, like, the uh, logo, right? Yeah. I kind of feel like it could be... A silvery crescent. Yeah, I feel like it could be maybe, like, one of the same people who... Uh, attacked Yasna like the um, Ghost Bloods. Yes, them. It could be could be Ghost Blood. That's a good guess. That's really my only guess. Okay, fair enough. Good theory, theory Thank man. You. Mark it. Um, these actually weirdly enough, more than last book. This book sets up a lot of dominoes that you need to wait to topple. Yeah. Last book kind of said something, showed you how it works. Said something. This book's setting up a lot more cliffhangers that it'll. I it makes the ending more exciting when all the things topple at the same time. But you've got to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. You know who I want to see again? Who? Hoyd. <laughs> yeah? And also the dude who uh, showed up at the end of the last book that we haven't seen yet. Remind We're me. We're 200 oh, pages in. Taravangian? No. Oh, yeah. Taravangian. But also the, uh, no, the um, the Herald who showed up at the end of the last book. You're right. Oh, th it's coming. They're coming. Mm -hmm. That guy? Yeah. That yeah, guy. man. And where are the other Heralds? I don't know. That's also something to think about. Yeah. Anyway. Now right. that's the end of that chapter. It was pretty short. My turn. That chapter is baller, though. That one is so it's like so sad. It's sad, but such a cool written yeah, chapter. Yeah, was such a nice dude. Why do the yeah. nice ones always die? Like Yasna. <laughs> like Yasna. I'm still upset about Yasna. Anyway, it, it ends like this. Yim has run down the street, and the man has chased him. And Yim says, "It was 40 years ago." And the man says, "He whispered that actually." Oh, it was 40 years ago. And the man says, "Justice does not expire," and then stabs him through with a shard blade. That's pretty neat. That That's a neat sad. scene. It's very sad. It's very sad. Poor Yim. He Poor deserved Yim. better than this. Yes. I liked Yim. I liked Yim too. Risen time. Okay. So we're on uh, chapter three of the interlude. interlude. three. I was getting there. <laughs> and this is titled Risen. So if you remember Risen, Risen was in the last book in one of the interludes. She was the girl who uh, was working for like a trader. And grass. she had the little pot of grass that she got, yep. like actual legit grass, like our grass like, on this earth. Like, like un, she calls it dumb grass. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> but Risen is now on a little ship with uh, her master and she's got her little pot of grass still, which I love. Her master is sick. Yes, her master is named, well, okay, real quick. She named her pot of grass Tivnik, which means sullen. Which I think is really funny. And it was kind of her admitting to her master that he was right. It was good for her to learn yeah. this. So that's kind of neat. Yes. So uh, she is with her master, Vistim. Yep. And he is not doing very well. He's coughing blood, which is not not a good thing. We um, find out later. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Okay. But right now she thinks he's coughing blood. And he's just very sick. And it's not going very well. And so they're they're floating along the like the the water wherever they are. They're looking for this island that moves around, which is bizarre. That's not how islands work. Well, well, kind of is. What did it turn out to be? I'm getting there. I'm sorry, Isaac. This is an exciting chapter. I like this <laughs> a lot. But uh, yeah, so they're floating along, trying to find this island that moves, and we do eventually find it. And we learn that the island is actually just a giant. Uh, like crab. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> like the giant, um, it's like great the great shell, shell but it's absolutely massive. And it's got people living on its back. How cool would that be to right? live on a freaking crab? And they say, um, also, great shells in this world are just, there are a bunch of different species of large crab that all yeah. fall into like the category great shell. Mm -hmm. This one, the way that they, these people live their life is they just kind of hang out and chill. 
and then occasionally go to war when their crab decides to fight another crab. Yeah. And so they, because they, there's multiple little islands that are like this. They just wander around the ocean together. Yeah. And I think it's pretty cool because also like the boats during the night, they just all tie themselves together and float in the ocean. Yeah. And then in the morning, they just try and find the great shell again because he wandered off in the night. That's hilarious. I think that's pretty fun. I do think it is really cool. It's a really cool idea. That would be honestly so fun to live on a crab, I think. I really would enjoy this. And so she gets, um, they they pull up alongside the uh, great shell and she spots the people just jumping naked into the water. And yeah. she's like, what the heck is going on? Like, they're a lefty. Like, there's a bunch of different a people groups. Like, yeah, they're not. Um, the uh, main group there is called the Reshi. But there's a bunch of other, like, people groups who have found the islands and come to live there. Yep. Like, they're they're open to, like, foreigners. And so she's like, how in the world are these people who are supposed to be, like, you know, covering themselves Jumping naked into the water off of this great shell. And she's she's very confused. And embarrassed. And embarrassed, yes. And she finally gets onto the island and her uh her uh leader, Vistum, is like, I'm too sick. I need you to go and do this trade for me. And remember, it's very, very important. And I we already bought the stuff for this trade, so if you fail, we're wasted. Yes. We need this trade to succeed. Yeah. And so she she's kind of freaking out inside, which is fair because she doesn't think she's ready. Yep. And she uh, begins to head up, and she takes uh, some of like the guards with her. So Kirilim and Nalette are the two guards that go with her. And she heads up to the very top of this like mountain on top of the the island, which um, is kind of interesting. And we actually find out that the the Reshi kind of cut into the shells of the the great shell, which is really interesting because. They can't feel it, which is kind of terrible, but yeah. also kind of cool. So they've just built this city on top of this. Do you think the gray shell even realizes that people are living on it? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. That's what I would. No, like it to does because it gets fed like they feed it fruit and stuff off. Well, a they think it's like their god, kind of. Yeah, but they basically worship the the great shells. I guess I, I guess it's probably similar to like the sharks that let the tiny little fish ride their back and stuff. Where it's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you're there. Maybe, but as they're heading up. They come upon this, well, they come upon more people who are jumping off the cliffs, which is interesting. Can we do a little dramatic reading of this interaction, actually? Yeah, for sure. I like this one. Yeah. Here it goes. They do it to shock you. They always jump from greater heights when a foreigner is here. Risen nodded, then, with a sudden start, realized that the comet hadn't come from one of her guards. She turned and discovered that to her left, the forest had moved back around a large outcrop of shell like a rock mound. There, hanging upside down and tied by his feet to a point at the top of the shell, was a lanky man with pale white skin verging on blue. He wore only a loincloth, and his skin was covered with hundreds upon hundreds of small, intricate tattoos. Risen took a step towards him, but Kirlim grabbed her shoulder and pulled her back. Amy, he hissed. Keep your distance. The blue fingernails and deep blue eyes should have been a clue. Risen stepped back, so she couldn't see his Voidbringer shadow. Keep your distance indeed, the man said. Always a wise idea. His accent was unlike any she'd heard. Though he spoke Thalen well, he hung there with a pleasant smile on his face, as if completely indifferent to the fact that he was upside down. Are you... well? Risen asked the man. Hmm? He said. Oh, between blackouts, yes, quite well. I think I'm growing numb to the pain of my ankles, which is just delightful. Risen brought her hands up to her chest, not daring to get any closer. Amian, very bad luck. 
She wasn't particularly superstitious. She was even skeptical of the passion sometimes. But, well, this was an Amian. What fell curses did you bring on this people, beast? Kirlin demanded. Improper puns, the man said lazily, and a stench from something I ate that did not sit well with me. Are you off to speak with the king, then? I... Risen said. Behind her, another Reshi whooped and leaped from the shelf. Yes. Well, the creature said, don't ask about the soul of their gods. They don't like to speak of that, it turns out. Must be spectacular to let the beast grow this large. Beyond even this friend who inhabit the bodies of ordinary great shells. Hmm? He seemed very pleased by something. <laughs> so, this man is just hanging upside down by his ankles, which is kind of terrible. Well... Do you recognize the uh, the description of this man? Yes. He reminds me of that dude from the uh, previous book. The interludes the of that interlude, book. The interlude, yes. Who could change his tattoos at will. That's what, who he reminds what me What was of. that man doing? Do you remember? What was his he life mission? He was like tracking Spren, wasn't he? He's trying to document every Spren. Yeah. And the reason he's hanging upside down is because he asked the king, tell me about the Spren that keeps your beast alive. Yeah. And so they, they put, it's the same guy, I think. I, maybe, I don't know. And for some reason, he's, his species, the kind of person who can change their tattoos and stuff, is called an Amian. And apparently Amians are like a man that is inhabited by a void bringer or something. Yeah, something along those lines. People don't like Amians, essentially. Yeah, it's very interesting. But, so after this, they kind of, they leave, they uh, head, they continue up the steps where they're headed, yeah. and they get to the uh, the top. They're all the way up to the top of the head of the the Great Shell, and they're they're up there, and they come upon the the king and, like, some another man. Yeah. And we find out that the king is actually a woman, but they Aww. call her the king. That's awesome. Which is pretty cool. I agree. And, <laughs> but Risen asks the man that's with the king, are you the king? And the man's like... Ah, no. Imagine <laughs> me being the king. And it's just, it's funny. And he says gender is irrelevant, which is pretty cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah, gender is irrelevant. And he... In real life, too. Yeah. And <laughs> he, uh, they start talking, and Talik is the uh, the man that uh, is with the king. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, we find out that Talik used to be, like, um, Vistum, who is, like I said, who is Risen's uh, master... Yeah. has told uh, Risen to watch out for Talik yeah. because he's, like, a very good trader. He's very, like, you have to prove something to him to be yeah. able to trade with him. And uh, they start talking about this trade, and it's not going very well. Talik's like, nah, this is not going to happen. I wanted to talk to Vistim. This is not going to work for you. And Risen's like, no way, I, I need I need this trade. Like, she's trying really hard to convince him, and Talik's just like, nope. Yep. It's not happening. She turns to the king, and... Well, I guess the king turns to her and is like, he talks to, or she, sorry, talks to Talik because the, the king speaks a different language. Yeah. And the king talks to Talik and Talik's like, well, I guess you've impressed the king so you can continue talking. Yeah. And uh, Risen tries to convince the king to uh, trade with, uh, continue this trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, it's just, it's not working. It's really just not. Like, she's trying her best to convince it. It's not It's not going well. She's saying, please. And eventually, the king commands, the king commands Risen to, to leave. And Risen's like, but, but we need to, I need this trade. I mm-hmm. need it. And so what she does instead 
she ties her a rope around her herself because they're feeding the beast. Yes, fruit off the head into yes. its mouth, and then goes and talks to the creature, like just dangles in front of the creature, way above the water, and starts talking to it because she's like, you know, the, this is your god, and you should listen to your god, right? Like if your god approves of me, you should approve of me, right? Yep. And then the rope breaks, and she falls, and crashes into the water. Blackness. And blacks out. And then when she wakes up, she is uh, with Talek and Vistim, and Talek is calling her an idiot, which is kind of funny. She kind of was an idiot for doing that. (laughs) Kind of. I understand, like, because this people apparently really, really value bravery. Yes. And so part of it was, like, she was doing this thing, hopefully, to show how brave she was. Yeah. So dangled down in front of the god's eye. The rope wouldn't have snapped, but the god bit the fruit on the bottom of the rope, which, like, snapped it because they were pulling it from the top. Yep. Yeah. But she's laying in a bed. Her legs are not working. She has broken them. Her legs no longer work, which is not good. They're not sure she's ever going to be able to walk again. She barely survived the whole thing. And we find out that Vistum is not actually sick. Yeah. He's been faking it because, like, this trade was going to happen no matter what. And he's been faking it because he wanted her to have the chance to uh, barter and try and trade with um, Talek on her own. Right. Because he trained Talek. So he knew Talek very, very well. Yep. And so, yeah, that's basically she, that chapter ends with, they're not sure she's going to walk. She's drinking medicine and laying in bed. And that's really it. Oh, yeah. What do they believe, by the way? What do they believe saved her? Um, they say they think she was saved by this uh, island's soul itself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then what does he give her? He gives her a little, like, uh, tiny creature. Named a Larkin. Yeah, that um, usually they are only found, like, as corpses, but this one's alive. They're so extremely just rare and valuable. Yeah. And so now she has a pet Larkin. Yeah, she gets, every single time we see her, she gets something new yeah. in her little collection. I hope she can walk again. And she loses her legs, yeah. I have a very bad feeling she's not going to be able to walk again. But I really hope she can walk again. I hope so, too. Well, you know what happens. I can't tell you, though. Okay. Okay. Chapter (laughs) I-4. Interlude 4. You got it. Let's go. This is, once again, uh, visions from um, the uh, Parshendi group. Yes. And uh, essentially, they're... they're uh, Shonai talks to somebody about the fact that it's a storm spread. Yeah. And that's like how they're going to bond it and try and become a storm, a, a, a storm form. Yes. And uh, Thude, Thude is the person she's talking to. I don't really know who Thude is. I think it's just another soldier that she has. Um, yeah. And she, he says, so she will try it herself. And Oshonai says, well, the five need to give her permission first. Uh, and if the five give permission, they're going to try it uh, on their first. And apparently there's the meeting today. Uh about whether or not it's actually going to happen. Yeah. And Thude's wife, or or once mate is what they call it, yeah. is very into this idea because Thude's once mate just wants to kill humans. Yes. They also have a little gemstone that has a spren in it that yeah. they're going to use. Yeah, the, the storm spren is in the gemstone. It's yes. Like, it's, it's kind of like a fabrile, I think. Maybe. Like the fabrile things, yeah. you know? I think it's kind of like that where there's something in the, in the actual gemstones. Could be. I don't know. It's kind of sad for the spren, though. Yeah, but it, uh, yeah, you're right. The storm spread that's in there is kind of sad for sure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 
a Shonai leaves essentially this conversation afterwards and attunes. Can I just say, yeah. sorry, Thud looks at the two of them and goes, food? Because Thud thinks that you can't argue <laughs> while you're eating. It's hard to be mad with your mouth full, he says. The argument's unhappy though, because everyone is full. So, food? Yep. And I love that. I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was really funny. That makes me laugh. Um, anyway... Ishonite attunes the rhythm of peace and finds that she has a movement and a half left before she has to be at the meeting. Yeah. So apparently like the rhythm, rhythm of peace is like their clock yeah. where a certain number of movements happen every day and so they can track their day based on how much how many rhythms of That'd be very convenient. Yeah, right? Like they do a better job of keeping track than we do, I think. Like um, it, it like er, later on it says that it's very hard for them to be late unless they're trying to be. Yeah. Sorry, I just I realized something. Just now she sees the doll forms, not last chapter. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, it's not a big deal. She goes to see her mother, who is unfortunately uh, ill of mind. She has Alzheimer's. Something like that. Yeah. Um, And her mother kind of thinks she's a Shonai sometimes, but there are a few times where she thinks she thinks she's talking to Venli, and to Venli complains about Ishonai, and it's kind of hurtful. That's not a great feeling for anybody. I'm sure not. Um, but then eventually, apparently Ashonai's mother used to be like the keeper of songs or whatever. Yeah. And Ashonai asked her to sing a song because that's something she'd never forgotten. And for a second, the mother paused and she thinks that, Ashonai thinks she maybe she forgot. Yeah. But then she sings, um, long are the days since we knew the dark home, the last legion, that was our name then, warriors who had been set to fight in the farthest plains. This place that had once been a nation was now rubble. Dead was the freedom of most people. The forms, unknown, were forced upon us. Forms of power, yes, but also forms of obedience. The gods commanded, and we we did obey. Always. Always. And then she tells the day about the fact that they they fled the, the gods. Yeah. In the song, the song declares this. They fled the gods by taking doll forms so the gods couldn't see them anymore. Yep. And, like, traveled across. And that's why Ashonai is scared. Mm-hmm. Because forms of power, yes, but also forms of obedience, yes. and we obeyed always. Yep. So the fear of they have is if they take forms of power once again, will they be forced to obey and not be able to um, actually like make their own decisions and like lead themselves? You know. Yeah. And so after Oshana, Oshana has the song with her mother, she leaves and runs off to the the meeting with the five, which is on top of a tower that is a very very tall like spire yeah. of rock. It's interesting. And they climb up and they find. The the five all each of them have one of the five known forms. Yep. So there's dull form, mate form, war form, work form, nimble form. Yep. A shonai represents the the uh, war form. Yeah. They have divim for work form. Yep. Abronai for mate form. Yep. Shivi for nimble form and zone for dull form. Yep. And she really feels for the um mate form and dull form. Mate form and dull form. Because they're forced to have their minds co- po- like constantly clouded in order to represent everyone. Yeah. And it's been made clear that the person who represents doll form also thinks of herself as representing all of the Parshmen. Yes. Not just the Parshendi doll forms, but all of the Parshmen. Like, so her vote will be for what she thinks is best, not only for their people, but yep. all Parshmen in the world. Yep. Which is cool. That is pretty cool. I agree. I like that. I understand the concept of why they do it this way and having all the forms. Yeah. Because it just... It makes it so that they have, like, better representation. And I get that. Yeah. I also think these two chapters about the Barshendi are very interesting because it's not a perspective I honestly thought we'd get to see. Yep. 
and we learn so much, but also still have so many questions. Yeah. But it also makes me feel for the Parshendi. Right. Like, I feel bad for them. And it and it makes them hard for me. To, like, before it was like, oh, I don't like the Parshendi because, you know, they're the bad guys. But are they really? Like, okay, killing the king was not the way to go. But you, you understand. But also, I understand their reasoning for it. So quickly, too, they managed to make you understand their reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, good writing. Also, it's how war is. Yeah. There's never actually a purely evil whole group who's evil. It's cool. It's very good writing. Yeah. I like this chapter. This, this, these chapters do a good job. Anyway, the five have an art discussion about whether or not they should let this form be taken. Yeah. And Ashonai is like the last holdout. And basically, Ashonai, they say, we won't make this, this decision unless it's unanimous. Yes. So Ashonai, do you want to? Or are we just going to keep sitting here and talking about it? And Ashonai says, uh, we can test it. As long as I'm the woman who gets to test it first. Yeah. And that makes Venli so freaking mad. Venli wanted to be the one to get to test it because she was the one who found it, which and, I get. That makes sense. But Venli is so angry. She thinks that Ashona is just trying to take like just trying to take the like majesty of being the first yeah. one in the new form. Well, we also kind of learned that Ashona is very before she became she hates just saying she does not like being a shard bearer. She's not a fan of it. She doesn't like yeah. the, being in the war and being a leader. She's their only shard bearer left. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever mentioned that Ashonai was the shard bearer, but she's the shard bearer at the down or she's all the time. Yeah. And uh, she is not a fan of it. She doesn't like it. She she wants to be an explorer. That's what she was when she was younger. And she wants to go back and do that. And so I think part of the reason she wants to do this and be the one who gets to test it out is she wants that chance to kind of explore again. Yeah. That's what Venley thinks at least. Yeah. Ashonai just wants to sue for peace for Dalinar. Yes. Um. So... She says, if she can get the Alethi to listen to her, find Dalinar Kalin, sue for peace, perhaps then this would not be needed. So mm-hmm. she, this still scares her a lot, and yeah. she really would rather not have that issue. Yes. I don't blame her. Me neither. But that's the end of the interludes. Yeah, it is. And now we're into part two, which is called Wind's Approach. And we get to see from Shalon, Kaladin, Ilan, and, and Sadius. Sadius. We get to see from Sadius. Why do we get to see? I don't want to see from Sadius. Time I want out. to hate Sadius. I don't want to be friends with Sadius. Time out. By the way, remember a second ago when I said uh, there's no truly evil people in war? I think that doesn't stand for Sadius. I think Sadius <laughs> is just a bad man. There's- or um, Hitler. Yeah, he was pretty bad. You said that and my first thought was, um, hello. Okay, wait, sorry. Most of the individuals, like the Germans, were fine people. Yes. But the the ruling class and the leader were straight up evil. Yes. So, yeah, that, that was more my point is that there are evil people, but mostly, like, most like people. groups themselves are not yeah. typically. Especially yeah. when it's, like, just following orders, yeah. which is a terrible reason to do things. But it's harder to hate someone when you realize that, like, I didn't want to do this, but I felt that I had to. You know, anyway. I don't want to see from Sadius' perspective because I want to keep hating on Sadius. But the issue is, if we see from Sadie's perspective, every single time in these books that we've seen from one of the characters that we don't like, yeah. it makes me feel for them. I don't want to feel for Sadius. <laughs> which is kind of terrible, but That's funny. it's true. All right, it's my turn. And now we're into chapter 13, which is called The Day's Masterpiece. And we have a new little thing. This is a song bit. A song bit? So this is, War form is worn for battle and rain, claimed by the gods given to kill. Unknown, unseen, but vital to gain. It comes to those with the will. And it's from the listener song of listing, 15th stanza. So apparently this is a song that just lists all the forms. Which is kind of cool. And also kind of lists, they keep saying you need a proper mindset to take a form. Yeah. It comes to those with the will. 
So they need to apparently in the first for that form ha- walk out with the mindset of like strong willed. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, strong willed to get that form. Yeah, that's kind of a neat concept. It is interesting. So we're back with Shalon, and she is hanging out with Tavlakov on the little uh, like seat next to Bluth. Bluth and Tag are the guys, yes. so I was right, Sydney. I didn't doubt you. <laughs> You've literally read it. I didn't doubt you. I know. But uh, she's hanging out with them, and she's very— Oh, wait. The listeners didn't hear this. Ye- yes, last week when we were picking like, who we are going to rank, Sydney and I had a little discussion about whether or not we should rank Bluth and Tag because they weren't actually named. Did we not discuss that on the— No, that was while we were setting up the, oh. the rankings. Oops. So now you know it is Bluth and Tag. Yeah. Continue. And— um. Shalon is trying to talk to Bluth, and Bluth is just like, don't speak to me. Yeah. Bluth is not very friendly. And she's trying to talk to him, and it's just not going very well. And so she kind of just has to give up. And she eventually, they stop, and she's like, hey, I would like to sit in this empty cage. And Tavlakov is like, what? You want to sit in a cage? And basically her reasoning is she wants to be alone with her trunk, or with Yasna's trunk. She doesn't trust him to not steal from the trunk. And... She also just doesn't want them to see what's in there, and she just wants her own space. Also, her feet are still just destroyed. Yes. Like, she can't walk very well. Yes. And Tavlakov seems to have been wearing a new pair of shoes. But he, but he, he won't says, give her one. He says, no, these are the only pair I've ever worn. And he's clearly lying and will not give her shoes. Yeah. Part of the reason, if she had shoes, she wouldn't need them as much. And he's going to try and make money off of her. Yeah. And so she climbs into the cage, and... Shuts the door and she's like, keys. And Tavlakov yeah. has a moment of, hmm. But then hands the keys over to her, which is good. And so now she's she's in the uh the cage by herself and they put yeah. up the little walls along the sides. They don't put it up against the um the door, but she puts up the little wa- the walls that are supposed to protect from high storms. So she's got some privacy. They carry her trunk up and she starts to kind of look through it. She's talking to Pattern, who's been kind of hiding out in the trunk so that yeah. no one can see him. And uh, she's she's talking to to Pattern about uh, what's going on and you know what she needs to find from Yasna and she's just, she's just kind of talking through like talking with him through what she's struggling with and the things that she's thinking about. Which Wait, is, yes. When she sees in the thing, she says this sentence to him: "Our danger isn't theor- just theoretical, Pattern. It's real and terrible." Yeah. And then they have an interaction that I I do want to read. Okay. Because that that interaction I think is worth reading. Okay. Here it goes. Our danger isn't just theoretical, Pattern. It is real and it is terrible. Yes, Pattern said, voice sounding grave. She looked up from her feet. He had moved up onto the inside of the chest lid, lit by the varied light of the differently colored spheres. You know something about the danger? The parchment? The void bringers? Perhaps she was reading too much into his tone. He wasn't human and often spoke with strange inflections. My return, Pattern said, because of this... What? Why haven't you said something? Say, speaking, thinking, all hard, getting better. You came to me because of the Voidbringers, Shalon said, moving closer to the trunk. Bloody rag forgotten in her hand. Yes, patterns, we, us, worry, one was sent, me. Why to me? Because of lies. She shook her head. I don't understand. He buzzed in dissatisfaction. You, your family. You watched me with my family? That long ago? Shalon, remember, 
Again, those memories. This time, not a garden seat, but a sterile white room. Her father's lullaby. Blood on the floor. No. She turned away and began cleaning her feet again. I know little of humans, Pattern said. They break. Their minds break. You did not break. Only cracked. She continued her washing. It's the lies that saved you. The lies that drew me. I love pattern. <laughs> That's a little he creepy. He did a very good pattern voice. I liked Thank it. You. It sounded very good. He, that was a little creepy what he did there. He yeah. Also, what's going on then? The lies that drew you, the lies that... that like, so essentially, he says, humans break. Who knows really what that means? And it's the lies that kept you alive and lies that drew you. What lies? Well, so lies about what happened with her father. Yeah. And what happened with... What, that flashback we saw before, I sure think, still. is what she's thinking about. We're still not fully sure what happened, but yeah. apparently she has lies that kept her from breaking. Yes, and so I, th- I think those are the lies. She lied about kind of what happened. And I think she lied to herself, too, because it seems to me that part of the reason she hasn't broken is because whenever she thinks about these certain, she gets these images in her head, and she's like, nope, like she shuts them off. Yeah. So I'm guessing she's lied to herself, too, about what happened. Right. Yeah. Theory man, mark it down. Whoop. <laughs> Check mark. I love pattern though. Point for Sydney. <laughs> point for Sydney. Or doc for Sydney. Who knows? Who knows? Or half a point for Sydney. Well, I know, but I can't tell you. Boo. Sorry. Anyways, um, she finishes cleaning off her feet and she starts going through the, the contents of Yasna's trunk. And in it, she finds the picture she drew of Yasna when she first met her. And she thought that Yasna did not care for it. And now she's very sad. Uh-huh. I'm also very sad. I miss you. I'm still kind of doing <laughs> Pattern's voice, I just realized. <laughs> and now she's very sad. I miss Yasna. I know. This so does she. so sad. So Shalon kind of here cries, but she's deflecting her sadness away from Yasna. Yeah. And she's crying because of her, like, her paintings and stuff, or drawings and stuff, which is like, feels like a defense mechanism so she still doesn't have to think about her fact that Yasna's dead. Yeah. I think she's very what it seems like and what seems like kind of drew what you're saying kind of drew pattern. Yeah. Is that she's very good at deflecting her brain yes. and not letting herself think about things that like actually upset her yep. or would like would break her. Because so humans normally would break. Shalon should be broken. Yeah. You don't break. You only cracked. And so Shalon, something she does keeps herself from breaking. Yep. That I think is a really, really neat reasoning for why pattern got drawn. I that, agree. Honestly, one of my favorite bits of world building from this book so far is that little interaction. Yeah. Um, but she's talking to Pattern about her her drawings and how she doesn't think she can draw again. Yeah. And Pattern says, he says, I will not stop vibra- vibrating. The wind will not stop blowing. You will not stop drawing. And I like that. I think that's very good. And so she's just looking at this picture and she's like, then she realizes that crap, the soul caster was with yeah, like was in the ship. It's gone. Like uh, my bro, I can't save my brothers now. It's gone. So that's not, not great for her brothers. They yeah. finally had a shot, and now they're screwed again. Yeah. And uh, Shalana starts asking Pattern about who are they? Like who are the Voidbringers? How did you know? Like are the Voidbringers really returning? And uh, Pattern says yes. Spren, Spren of him. They come. Do the voice. Uh no. Yes, Spren. No. Spren of him. They come. But yeah, and Shalon kind of figures out that the same people who killed Yasna are the ones who also Capsule was with and the one that her father was with. So yeah. the ghost bloods, right? Yep. Is that what they're called? Yep. So yeah, and that she thinks that maybe 
Didn't they, they are, say that already, or did I spoil the ghost? Yasna said the ghost was before. I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Good. I believe so. I was going to say, did I spoil that title? Really? No, I don't okay. think so. Okay, good. But um, she thinks, Shalom thinks that maybe the reason that they're trying, that they kill Yasna is because they know that Yasna knows the Voidbringers are coming back and that she's trying to stop them. But instead, the Ghostbloods want the Voidbringers to come back for their own whatever reason. Yeah. And so that's where the, the uh, chapter ends. Woo! And we get this fun little drawing. The drawing of different like stances that sword fight like for yeah. it's, it's a basically an instruction drawing for sword fighters. Yeah. Speaking of which, here it goes. Chapter 14. It's called Iron Stance. Here's a uh, the song bit. It says, Mate for mate for meek, for love to share. Given to life, it brings us joy. To find this form, one must care. True empathy, one must employ. You know what's cute about this? What? It makes me think about to to get mate form. You must have to care about someone and love them and have empathy oh, for them. That's so sweet. And so in order to become mate form and for them to become mate form, you have to love each other. That's what I think. And they become pairs too. Like they forget Yeah. Like war pairs are be- uh-huh. war pairs are couples. They become forever Isn't pairs. Isn't that adorable? That's so cute, actually. And that's, right. that will be I okay, Loki wish this was real because <laughs> then you would know. You yeah. would always know that this person loved me because they are able to change into this form for me because they love me. You're and I just sweet. think that's really, really that cute. That is really cute. Isn't I that like cute? that a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Moving on. <laughs> Adolin is readying himself for a duel. He managed to convince somebody to come duel him for um uh their shard blade. And his plate. So Adolin put up on his on the line for his side, uh, his shard blade and his plate. The yeah. other guy just offered a shard blade. Now, it is it was kind of an insult to Adolin that he had to do both. Yeah. Because it's like saying that in fighting me for this is not worth it for me unless you do more. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of like a, a lefty insult that Adolin had to endure. Yeah. Um, but Adolin is talking to his blade. It's actually, As one does. He's actually really being nice to it. He is being nice to it. He, he, he talks to it like it's a good friend. Um, and he got the blade and... Uh, He's talking to it. Then he walks out, and Renarin's there, and so is Navani. And Navani writes him a little uh, like prayer for safety and, and yeah. strength. And <laughs> Renarin's like, "Okay, do you have the necklace in your pocket? Cool. Did you eat beans? Cool. Chicken. Sorry, chicken. Did, <laughs> I chicken. think it's chicken. Yeah, you're right. It's chicken. Did you did you talk to the blade? Cool. Like he's doing all the superstitious like yeah. uh, stuff. And that was pretty. That was pretty cute. And Navani has the thing, and Adolin guesses that it's a glyph for victory. And she says, it's for safety and glory. You need to learn some glyphs, Adolin. And Adolin says, I need to find a woman who can read glyphs. <laughs> I don't need to learn glyphs. I need to find a woman who can read them. Yeah. And that, in his head for a second, thinks about the fact that maybe Shalon will come and she'll know glyphs. They think about the... Okay, I just want to add this. They think about... Um, well, they know now that Yasna's ship is delayed. And so Navani's worried. And Adolin isn't really worried, but no, he no, no. thinks All about... Way, Navani's not worried. Navani's saying Yasna probably oh, got distracted on yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, Adolin is worried. Navani is not. But Adolin thinks about the fact that um, he, he says he felt a sudden worry that he might not get to meet the girl, Shalon, when expected. Of course, the casual betrothal wasn't likely to work out, but a piece of him wished that it would, <laughs> which is funny to me. Yeah. And also really good. I like that. I was worried that Adolin was going to be in the mindset of, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. But he's in the mindset of, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. He wants a relationship. He's just bad at it. So he's yeah. like, I hope this one works. And um, I like that. Yeah, it's cute. Because I think it'll work. I really <laughs> hope it does. Um, 
Like I said, though, I think I said this last episode. If it doesn't work between Adolin and, Sh- and Shalon, I want it to be Adolin and Kaladin. Okay, <laughs> Adolin and Kaladin. I <laughs> I meant Shalon and Kaladin. I don't know how I don't know how the Alethi will feel about that. <laughs> I meant Shalon and Kaladin. No, I think I think it'll work between Adolin and Shalon. I do think I think that. Okay, here's my theory. Okay, I think that it'll work between Adolin and Shalon. This is my romance theory. It'll work between Adolin and Shalon. They'll become very close and they'll become really good friends and they'll they'll love each other. And I think Shalon and Kaladin will become very good friends. Like, I think they'll become, like, brother and sister. Okay. And Kaladin will feel like he, like, Kaladin will feel like Shalon has become his sister. And he'll take care of her. And then Adolin is going to start accepting Kaladin because of Shalon. That's a good theory. I like it. Thank you. Theory man, mark it down. (laughs) Uh, Side thing. (laughs) Adolin right now, though, hates uh, Kaladin and the fact that he's being guarded. Yeah. And part of it is still the little bit of of anger that Kaladin is, like gave him orders on the battlefield. Yeah, Adolin's still holding that grudge a tiny bit. I don't think that Adolin and Kaladin will ever be like good friends. Okay, but I think that they will learn to accept each other, and that they will learn to respect each other, mm. and that they will become friends enough. And I think Shallan's going to be part of it. I think Shallan is going to become very close with Kaladin. Okay, especially because they're they're very similar in what they can do. Yeah, and so I think that I think. Kaladin and Shalom will end up showing each other what they can do, yeah. and they'll bond over it and become very good friends. Okay. Theory man, mark it down. Um, so yes. <laughs> we move on. They Basically, they go out to fight. Yeah. And Adolin starts the, the fight, like, in, there's a bunch of different stances that the Alethi practice in, like wind stance, stone stance, whatever, iron yeah. stance. And Adolin starts by trying to, like, practice in, like, a really elegant stance. He's fighting a dude named Salinor. 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 And there's a, there's a, uh, judge there whose name is Isto. She's the high judge. Sang. Um, yes, thank you for saying. So at first it's like he Adolin starts out with like an a, in an, like an elegant fighting form. And then he thinks, I forget his exact reasoning, but he's like, they don't deserve this. Yeah. They don't deserve an elegant fight. I just need to win this fight and win the blade. Yeah. And so Adolin gets in close, dismisses his blade, and well, first he smashes it against the helmet a few times to get the guy on the ground. Yeah. And then dismisses his bl- blade. Body slams the guy and then just slams his fists against his chest and helmet till they shatter. Adolin is in a weird mood in he this like, chapter. He like brutalizes the guy. Yeah. And the in the um the high judge just starts screaming, um, stop, stop. And he's like, <laughs> What? And she's like, That is a, a like that's so unjustified, Adolin. That's supposed to be so like, is he supposed to be an elegant thing? And you've ruined yeah. the elegance of it. And Adolin went, Did I break any rules? And then she says, um, Silence. There's a long silence. Adolin goes, did I break any rules? And then no one, uh, she says, that's not how a duel. And he goes, so I win. And the, the hydra says, the, this duel was to the three broken pieces of plate. You broke only two. So Adolin reaches down, grabs the shoulder bow of his plate and just shatters it in his hands and says, done. Brutal. And then he kneels down next to Salinar and says, your blade. And, uh, Salinar tries to stand up and like tries to keep going. And Aelin puts him back on the ground and says, you lost, Salinar. You cheated. How? I don't know. It's just, it's not supposed to. And then Aelin just like glared at him and put his uh, hand against Salinar's neck. Basically in front of a crowd, he's like, give me your blade or I'm going to kill you. Brutal. Aelin is absolutely brutal in this chapter. Um... And then Salinar ends up giving him the blade. Yeah. And uh, the, the high judge goes, judgment goes to Adolin Colin, the victor. 
Salinor Evid uh, forfeits his shard. And so now the the, uh, the Colins have another shard blade, I guess. Yeah, and Adolin gives it to Renarin. Which is really sweet. Which is really sweet. I love Adolin and Renarin's um, relationship here. Yeah. I think they have a very good sibling bond. And I really I really love that. I feel like Adolin feels very protective of Renarin. And I just, I love it. And I think Renarin also feels protective of Adolin, too. Yeah. Which is just fun. It's a fun little relationship. Navani says, what you did would not have worked on a more skilled opponent. And Adolin goes, I know. And Navani goes, it was wise then. You mask your true skill. People can assume it was won by trickery, pit fighting instead of proper dueling. They might continue to underestimate you. I can work with this to get you more duels. And Aiden was like, I'll pretend like that's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Adolin just, I don't even know. He was in a weird murder mood, I guess. He was in a weird mood, yeah. yeah. That, there's not really any explanation to why he acted that way. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. All right. Last chapter for today. <laughs> what the heck was that? I want to wish you a Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Okay. <laughs> We're recording this well after Christmas. Yeah, it's like January. And by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be like February. Mid-February, yeah. <laughs> by the way, listen, I don't know if we told you this. We're now also, not only have we like upped the reading a little bit, we're also trying to, to get as many episodes pre-recorded as we can so that we can have this like ready for you. Yes. Basically, listener, you should be so happy that we'll be done by the time the book comes out and our content will be as high, higher quality than ever because we're making sure to get stuff done when we have time yeah. and giving us giving ourselves plenty of time to get stuff done ahead of time. Yeah, and we're also trying to get pretty far ahead with our backlog because um, – which is confusing for the Instagram because I go to post and I'm like, what the heck? This was like <laughs> um, two months ago. I don't remember what I talked about. Yeah. But uh, anyways, we're trying to get ahead because we both are going to be very busy over the summer. We both have to have internships. I probably – I mean, I don't know where I'm going to be, but I might not be living at home if I get an internship elsewhere. And so I, I'm not, we're not going to have time to record probably. And so it'll be very difficult. At so least we're trying not to much get, time to yes, record. We're trying to get pretty far ahead so that we have, you know, more leniency. Yes. Yep. All right. Chapter 15 is titled A Hand with the Tower. And the little uh, song bit says, Work form worn for strength and care. Whispering spren breathe at your ear. Seek first this form, its mysteries to bear. Found here is freedom from fear. That one doesn't tell you how to get it. So this one's just basically saying, try to find this first. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, also, yeah, a hand with a tower. That's a reference to, remember a long time ago, they talked about the uh, the dice game in one of the Kaladin flashback. Oh, yeah. Where if you throw two tower, you lose for sure. Uh-huh. This is a hand with a tower, meaning... If we threw one, so now it depends on what everyone else rolls. Remember, mm-hmm. I think that's a great callback. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's we're what, back yeah. with we're back with Shalon again. Yes, baby. As we should be, and she's with Tavlakov, and this is when she mentions the shoes mm-hmm. about knowing that uh, Tavlakov is lying to her about the shoes. But she's um, in the like the wagon, and she she's in a lot of pain. Her feet hurt a lot. She's just not doing very good. Yeah, they're uh, out like. Tavlakov is cooking at like a fire. He's cooking. Or not necessarily cooking, but there's a fire going. I know. Just cooking is funny to me. Cooking. Yeah, he's cooking. Cooking. And uh, the other, there's other people like Tag is over there and Tavlakov is talking to Tag and and Shalon tells Pattern, hey, go listen to him and tell me what he says. Pattern comes back and tells uh, Shalon what uh, Tag and Tavlakov are talking about. And basically this is what they say. Tavlakov says, she could be someone important. And Tag says, she is trouble. I still think we should just leave her and go. And Devlakov says, it is fortunate for us that the decision is not yours. 
You worry about making dinner. I shall worry about our little light-eyed companion. Someone is missing her. Someone rich. If we can sell her back to them, Tag, it will be what finally digs us out. And so basically, Tavlakov and Tag and Bluth are in a very deep, deep hole. They have a lot of debt, and they're trying to pay it back. And they're basically trying, kind of like almost ransoming uh, Shalon to whoever. And Shalon's like, hmm, this could be interesting. I'm sorry. I know we've done a few. Can we do another reading of this interaction? Yeah. This is the last one for this episode, well, I, mean, I promise. It's the last chapter. I know, so yeah. I promise. The last one, guys, I promise. It is time to discuss your payment, Shalon said. Service to one so illustrious is payment in itself, of course. Of course, she said, meeting his eyes. Don't back down. You can do this. But a merchant must make a living. I am not blind, Tavlakov. Your men do not agree with your decision to help me. They think it a waste. Tavlakov glanced at Tad, looking unsettled. Hopefully, he wondered what else she had guessed. Upon arriving at the Shattered Plains, Shalon said, I will acquire a grand fortune. I do not have it yet. That is unfortunate. Not in the slightest, Shalon said. It is an opportunity, tradesman Tavlakov. The fortune I will acquire is the result of a betrothal. If I arrive safely, those who rescued me, save me from pirates, sacrifice greatly to see me brought to my new family, will undoubtedly be well rewarded. I am but a humble servant, Tavlakov said with a broad, false smile. Rewards are the farthest thing from my mind. He thinks I'm lying about the fortune. Shalon ground her teeth in frustration, anger beginning to burn inside of her. This was just what Capsule had done, treating her like a plaything, a means to an end, not a real person. She leaned closer to Tavlakov into the firelight. Do not toy with me, slaver. I wouldn't dare. You have no idea the storm you have wandered into, Shalon hissed, holding his eyes. You have no idea what stakes have been wagered upon my arrival. Take your petty schemes and stuff them in a crevice. Do as I say, and I will see your debts canceled. You will be a free man again. What? How? How did you? Shalon stood up, cutting him off. She felt somehow stronger than she had before, more determined. Her insecurities fluttered in the bit of her stomach, but she paid them no heed. Tavlakov didn't know she was timid. He didn't know she had been raised in rural isolation. To him, she was a woman of the court, accomplished at argument and accustomed to being obeyed. Standing before him, feeling radiant in the glow of the flames, towering above him in his grubby machinations, she saw. Expectation wasn't just about what people expected of you. It was about what you expected of yourself. That's such a powerful moment. So I love it. Shalon just puts him in his place, essentially. Shalon, I love the growth we've seen in Shalon. Right? He was so very shy at the beginning. Shalon, 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 Shalon. <laughs> <laughs> she just has grown so much, and I really, really love that growth we've seen in her. And yeah. this really just shows where she's at, and I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, she is now like starting to glow. She's like inhaled some stormlight and is starting to glow. Whoa! Yeah. And Tavlakov <laughs> is like, Tavlakov is just like, um. also notice her dress no longer has holes in it while she's standing there. Yeah, she's her slightly feet taller. Are feeling better. Well, that's healing from stormlight. Yeah, but her dress has changed how it looks. Oh, her dress yeah. is no longer grubby and gross. Now she looks very elegant and royal. Yeah. So she did something. Tavlakov is like. What the heck? Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. And <laughs> Shalon is like, <laughs> Shalon just starts to walk off. And as we're going, Bluth comes running and is like, put out the fire, put out the fire, put out the fire. And basically what's happened is bandits are coming 
And they're like, we need to get out of here. We need to leave now because if we get caught, we're all dead. Yeah. Like, it's over for us. And so they, they put out the fire and they start to head out. Shalon gets back into her little cage <laughs> and they head out. And they go in kind of the wrong direction. But Shalon can see in the distance a fire. She can see the, the firelight from the bandits. Yeah. And then they start heading out. And as they head out in the direction that they're going the uh, fire starts to, like, get less and less noticeable. It starts to kind of dim down as they get further away. So they're getting away. It looks like it. Yeah, and that's the end of the chapter. Good reading, Sydney. Thank you. I try my best. What's going to happen next? I think that... Hmm, I the- think... Theory man, prepare your pen and pencil. Okay, I have two oh, possible... Oh, sorry. D- pen or pencil and paper. <laughs> you don't need to prepare both. <laughs> Or phone, if you're just using your phone. Yeah, theory, man. Prepare your phone. I have, or your computer. <laughs> I have two possible theories, okay? Okay. I think either A, the bandits are going to catch Shalon. Okay. And Tavlakov. Or, if you say, or they're not going to, I'm going to be so freaking mad, Sydney. <laughs> Sydney, <or> wait. <laughs> these are the two options I know. So you need your or the- B. Okay, well, actually, let me continue my A one. Okay. My A theory is that the bandits are going to catch them. And they're going <laughs> to, like, capture. They're going to keep Shalon alive. They're going to capture Shalon. And, like, you're going to hold her for, like, ransom, kind of. Right. And knowing that she's, like, a light eyes. And they're going to figure out who she is and that kind of thing. Right. Or B, they're not going to catch her. They're not, bandits aren't going to come. But here's why I say this, okay? They're going to get back to the Shattered Plains. And then they're going to, like, just have their whole interaction with... Like right. Shalon, with uh, Adolin and all that. Yeah. So that's I. That's why I had two theories because I could see it going either way. Like that's I don't fair. have, from what we know, I don't have any specific direction. I I think it could go one of those two ways. Like I just yeah. Fair enough. Which is not necessarily the best theory in the world. But that's fair. I mean, I, it's I, I just it. I don't have a specific. I think it's gonna go this way. I think it could go either way. Like I think they're either going to obviously get like they. I could see them getting back safely, or I could see them being caught by the bandits. Fair enough. Either either way is very solidly possible. Yeah. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Awesome. Not really theories. So sorry, theory person. I made it yeah, hard for you. Theory man, it's really hard to mark anything down from that one. Sorry about that. Um. But do your best. It's just those are more of just my thoughts. Like I don't have any specific. I think it's going to happen this way. Right. I think it's just. I think that's yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Now, I, Sydney, you know what time it is. Yes, I do. It's time to rank the characters. Okay, here it goes. All right, there are so many characters this week. Half of the names I don't even remember. It's when you get a million characters who are all, uh, when you get a million people who are all like one chapter, we see a whole new <laughs> culture, you get yeah. a lot of random names you don't remember. So here it goes. All right, so we have Kaladin, Meredith, or Amram, whose first name is Meredith, apparently. Yes. Dalinar, Lopin, Rock, Sigzil, Teft, Ishonai, Devi, Varanus, Demid, Ven- Venli, Yim, Risen, Vistim, Gu, Kirlim. Reluna, Nalent, <laughs> Axius, Talek, the King, Thud, Bila, Ashonai's mother, Devim, Abrone, Shivi, Zoln, Shalon, Bluth, Tavlakov, Tag, Pattern, Adolin, Salinor, Isto, Navani, and Renarim. And so the order we have is Shalon stays at the top because we love her, followed by Kaladin, then Adolin, then Dalinar because they're all great. Navani, she's also great. Renarin is really, really sweet and cute. Pattern is really funny and cool. Then we have Risen because Risen was neat this chapter and she lost her legs. Then we have, uh, well, she didn't lose them, but she broke them. Then we have Rock, Lopin, Sigzel, and Teft, all, our little Bridgman section. 
Then we have we love um, the Bridgman. We love the Bridgman. A Shonai and Venley, the little section for the the main uh, Parshendi or listeners, as they yeah. call themselves. Then we have Bistim and Tillich, uh, who made a little gross secret plan that ended up really badly, but they couldn't have no way of knowing that. Yeah. Then we have the king, who is the the woman king. Then we have Salinor, the guy he fought. Then a Shonai, then Isto. Then we have these are all people. Or Shonai's mother. Shonai's mother. Sorry, then Isto. Then we have, basically it's a bunch of people who are. Uh, Seen, but we don't really remember who they are. Gu, Kirlim, Rilunan, Nalent, Axis, Thud, Bila, Devim, Abronai, Shivi, Zun, Devi, Verneris, Demid. So all those people just kind of showed up. Now we have Wish You Were Dead, which goes in this order. Tag, Bluth, Tvlakov, Amaram. Uh-huh. That I that that fits for me. That I is, agree. I have no issues with that. I have no issues with that. Then in our either. dead tier, I have issues with because I wish he didn't die, but it's Yim. Poor him. Tell us last week's top five bottom five. All right. Sydney. Last week's top five was Shalon and Cowden down our Yaza on Pattern. Yep. And then last week's bottom five was Liss, Imram, Iali, Gagna, and Sa- Sadius. Yes. This week, pretty similar, but a few changes. For top five, all that's changed is Yasna has dipped off the list. Pattern's gone up one, followed by Navani. So it's Shalon, Kaladin, Dalinar, Pattern, and new new edition, Navani. Yep. Bottom five has a few more changes. Uh, Bluth is our least of the bottom. We hate him, but not as much as these others. Yep. Followed by Tavlakov because he's kind of taking advantage of Shalon and it's really kind of gross. Then Amaram, he's moved up one. Good for him. Followed by Gangna and then Sadius. Right where he belongs. Right where he belongs. The bottom of the list. Of the list. Exactly. The only other person right now I see taking over Sadius is Amaram. Depending on what he does. Yeah. You know who I kind of miss? Who? Gaz. <laughs> what happened to that man? I know. He just disappeared. I really want to know what happened to Gaz. He disappeared and was never talked about ever. Okay, Theory and Man. now we're like... Theory Man, get your phone ready. Will, okay. Will he show up? Yes. Where will he be? Um, I think that he will be... Um, I think he's going to be a spy for Sadius. Okay. Good theory. Theory Man, mark it. If it's right, wrong, or otherwise... I don't feel mark. like we have any really way of knowing where where Gaz went. Yeah, yeah, you have no way. This is I was this was just a shot in the dark for you. I'd have a way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, I just think I think that Gaz is gonna show up and be a butthole again. Alrighty. Remember when Gaz was our least favorite character, and now he's not even here anymore. Yeah, we don't even care that much about Gaz anymore. <laughs> I have some, no opinion on Gaz. We've met some worse people, I think. Oh, by far. Have you met Sadius? Yeah, man. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you guys all for listening. Uh, to this episode. Yeah. And we also want to say thank you to Alezia, that is A-L-E-Z-E-I-A on Spotify, for letting us use his song Windrunner Remake as the intro and the outro of our program. We really, really appreciate it. Yep. There's a link in the description. Go check him out. Next week, make sure you read chapter 16 through 25. Or Sydney will break both of your legs. Leave you not oh, sure if you'll walk again because she... Broke both of your legs. I think I'd rather lose my legs than my arms. Really? Yeah. I think I I think I agree with you. Because I feel like you can do more with your arms. Like there's not running. Okay, but who cares? I don't like to run anyways. Oh, I love running. (laughs) Um or skipping. Colin would be lost Could, without the yeah. ability to skip. Can you imagine me without skipping? <laughs> Colin skips everywhere all the time, just randomly. <laughs> no, I think I would much rather lose my legs and my arms because really? I could still eat with my hands. I can still write with my hands. I can still type. I can still do all my homework. I can still take photos and do all that stuff with my hands. And my legs, worst case scenario, I just get fake legs. Right. Or I- just w- zoom around in a wheelchair. I think I would like to lose, if I had to lose two limbs, I'd like to lose my left arm and my right leg. 
<laughs> I think I just go for both of my legs at that point. I mean, I, I can still do all the important stuff with my right hand. Yeah. But that way I still also have like a leg to do stuff with, like hop yeah, on Yeah, but stuff. you just hobble around. I feel like I just rather at that point just have two fake legs. Okay. Well, this, <laughs> this conversation seems like it might be able like, to. I feel like this I feel like Sydney Freeze. No. This conversation feels like it might be a little ableist. So let's, no. let's end this conversation. Thank <laughs> you all. She's just saying. She's just saying. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> uh, make sure you have that read for next week. We really, really appreciate it. Which chapters is it? Did you say that already? 16 through 25. Yes. Because yeah. that's when we ta- start talking about legs. Remember? You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We, we've had fun recording for you, and we'll be back next week. My name is Colton Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyerly. I love you. Peace. Why are you still here? The show's over.